Good morning. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is take a vote. And your vote doesn't matter. But you get a chance to vote. Um, thumbs up. You like it? Keep it. Thumbs down. Get rid of it. I can't see you. It's really right up here, so it's dark out there. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. What do you think of the beard? Like I said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> At my age, I don't care what I look like anymore. Um, it's just a conversation piece. So let's talk. We're studying Joshua this semester. And uh, the theme is be strong and courageous. This book is very special to me. When I, when I get up here and talk to you, I know it's hard for you to do, but I don't want you to just see me as an old, gray-haired, gray-beard man speaking with you. Um, I want you to imagine, if you can, me at your age, because it really wasn't that long ago. Because if you can't do that, if you can't relate to me as a young man, you can't relate to Joshua 2,500 years ago. And you really do need to relate to Joshua and the stories we're reading here. So it's, it's important. I mean, your parents, you see them, obviously, as, as older. Um, but you've got to remember, it wasn't that long ago they were your age. Uh, it's really, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So I want to show you this picture. I showed it to you before, uh, last time I spoke, or a couple times ago I spoke. My brother and I, right before I became a Christian, he, he had just became a, become a Christian at the age of 19. I became a Christian at the age of 14. He was the one who brought me to Christ. Um, that's the picture on the, on the right. On the left is, a, is what he signed in my Bible. He bought me this Bible when I was 14, and I wore it out for the next 15 years. It, I, I don't use it anymore because even the zipper broke. It, it's just really worn out. It's very special to me. But he wrote in there, and you can read it if you want. But the bottom line of what he wrote was, remember these scriptures. Matthew 22:37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Uh, our pastor Gary mentioned that this morning as, as he was addressing the congregation. And Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people. And he says, remember these things. And here it is nearly 40 years later, and I remember. And I want you to remember that in the, in the, some Second semester of your senior year, second semester of your freshman year, second semester of your sophomore year, second semester of your junior year, you spent several several weeks hearing about Joshua, and every single slide up there said, be strong and courageous. I want you to remember that. That's why we're doing this. It will stay with you. It's not a bad choice if you're going to write something. Think about that. If If someone... You're going to dedicate a Bible to someone today. What are you going to write on it? What scriptures would you choose? I'd suggest this is a good one. That's why we're doing this. So let me start off by asking you, what are you afraid of? The very first week we started, Dave stood up here and he said, courage is not the absence of fear. It's, it's the ability to face your fear with confidence. So we can't go around thinking we're not afraid of things. We need to be able to, to identify those fears, not as phobias, 
We talked a little bit about phobias. Not, phobias are irrational fears, things that you will not do because you just have something inside you, you're not going to do it. We're talking about actual rational fears, not irrational, but rational fears. What are you afraid of? Uh, it's important to identify that. And what are you, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about what are you not afraid of that maybe you should be. And then we're going to tie it all together with, a, with Joshua chapter 7. One thing I'm not afraid of is to tell you what I'm afraid of. Some, some people might think of that as, as weakness. You, you, don't, you don't talk about your fears. I'm not afraid to tell you my rational fears. Or maybe fear is a kind of a too strong of a word. Maybe what is... What is it that gets my undivided attention? So I got a, a three little three categories. The first is this guy. I saw this guy. Not with my eyes, but with every other sense I had. Uh, a few years ago, we were in a cabin up in Colorado. It was snowy. It was beautiful. It was like Christmas time where you got no place to go, so let it snow. And it snowed for three or four days. And then my daughter said, let's go on a hike. Let's go on that hike, that mountain right next to us. So we did. I mean, you're not going to say no to your daughter when she says that. Just me and her. And I noticed that there wasn't any, nothing had touched those, that snow for about four days. And so I was getting up there, further up there, I thought, what if this guy is looking at me? Because there hadn't been much human activity up here. And I just felt his presence. And I realized then, I'm like, what are you so afraid of? Because I didn't, I didn't know what I would do if he was there. And my, da- my daughter laughed at me the whole way and the way down. <laughs> I was just tense. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we were at a men's conference, and the guy was telling a story about a lion, about the Colorado mountains, about being tracked by a lion and having proof that he was. And he was an expert out in the wildlife. And he said, if you've ever been out in, in, in the Colorado high country, you've been watched by a lion. I said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew he had been. Most of the time, they're going to leave you alone. Um, and they did. They left me alone. He left me alone. I don't know if he was out there or not, but I sensed him, and I was afraid. Next thing happened a few years earlier. I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls. Um, beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, powerful uh, waterfalls. And there's this thing called the Maid of the Mist, and it looks like a refugee boat. If you see it there on the bottom. Um, it's packed with people, and you get in raincoats, and you go up there, and you go, and you go right up. And I don't know if you can see it. See that little thing right there? It gets even closer than that. It's a, it's a boat. You can't even see it here. It gets right up against the water. And I remember going there in 1983. I was your age. I was, I was just graduated from high school. And I was on this edge, on the forward edge of that boat, me and my brother, and we were doing that Titanic scene. We were like, yeah! <laughs> that water was hitting us. and It was just awesome. We went back there about 15 years later. Um, or so, I don't know, 50, whatever it was, um, with my, my little girl in my arms. My wife and I went with my baby. I don't know what we were thinking, but we went, we went with the baby, and we went up there, and I was way over here, bottom, bottom here. I don't know where I was. I was just far away from those falls that you can get, and I was just tucking that thing like nobody's business, that thing, that <laughs> baby. <laughs> she was, I was not going to let her go, and I was thinking, well, what was I thinking? And I realized, man, I, am, I, am, I have a healthy respect for nature and the, its power. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so those are some things that I'm afraid of. Um, what else? Do we have another one? Oh, this is nice. 
Anybody know what that is? It's not a phone. You know, people ask me, they say, um, my, my, my wife, she goes to Haiti a lot, and, and a lot of times, guys, grown men, pastors have asked me, aren't you afraid that your, your wife is going to Haiti? And it was a group of women. I'm not. I'm really not afraid. And I always say, anytime they say something like that, when they get all fearful about something like this, I said, I'm not afraid of that. I said, I am more afraid, I am more afraid of getting out on I-35 every time I get out on I-35. And I mean it. I really do. I am, I know that there's so much more risk on I-35 than there is flying to Haiti. And, and so every single time I get on there, I, it, I have, it has my undivided attention. But I, what really scares me is when I'm teaching my children how to drive and they're getting on I-35. So I don't know if you, that, what that is. That's the little handle above the, the passenger seat. It will do you absolutely no good to hold on to that in an accident. But it's there for parents as they're teaching their kids to drive because it, it just does a little sense of security. And so I don't have to say anything if, if I'm driving and, and with Jacob and, and Jacob's a good driver and I have full confidence in I have a lot of confidence in him. Uh, but if he, if, but if, he ever, if we're ever driving and he sees me grab that, he knows that um, he needs to calm me down. Um, anyway, so those are some of the things I'm, that I'm afraid of. So what doesn't scare you? What are you not afraid of? Let's go to the next one. What about extraordinary success? What if you knew that whatever you were trying to do this semester or this year, maybe the next few years, that you're going to get it, and you're going to get it overflowing. Does that scare you? Is there any cause for concern? What if the most attractive person to you is suddenly extremely attracted to you? The most attractive person at school or work or wherever, you, your neighborhood, whatever, is that to you. And I know every beauty is in the eye of the beholder, whether it's a person, their personality, or whatever. You just like this, this person. And suddenly you realize that that person is attracted to you and really attracted to you. Does that scare you? Is there any, is there any cause for concern? What about money? If I, if I pull up my wallet and I'll give you a $20 bill, does that scare you? $200? $2,000? What if I write a check for $20,000 and give it to you and it's yours? Does that scare you? What amount of money scares you? Does any amount of money scare you? In most cases, if we're offered any of these things, and there's probably more, but these are three basic categories. If you're offered that and you know you're going to get it, it doesn't scare you like driving on the interstate on an icy, rainy day, passing an 18-wheeler on a curb. That, gets your, that has your undivided attention. But any of these things happen to you? Not so much. I'm not saying any of these things are bad in themselves. But it's kind of like holding a loaded weapon. And notice I say weapon. I don't say gun because I'm a retired army. We were taught to say weapon because these things, are, that's what they are. I remember growing up 
again, with my brother playing little army war games and maybe throwing a rock and saying that this is going to be a grenade, and you throw it and you mimic the explosion. Then I joined the army, and I go out in basic training, and they give you a, a little uh, simulated grenade. And that's kind of fun. You throw it, and you hear it explode and all. Then they give you a real one. I tell you, that gets your undivided attention because it doesn't feel like a fake grenade. It's, it's loaded. It's, it's heavier, significantly heavier, and you know that that thing could explode in your hand, and you're done. <clears throat> and then they tell you to pull the pin. And then there's one drill where you pull the pin, let go of your thumb, and wait five seconds before you throw it in the bunker. Because if you don't wait five seconds, they're going to throw it right back out. Or maybe it wasn't five. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, it's a, mo- it's a moment. It feels like forever. <laughs> it has your undivided attention. It is a real grenade. I remember being in, a, in, in that bunker and saying, you've got to throw this grenade. I said, what if it slips? You're not going to slip with that grenade. It's real. You're not afraid of it. As a soldier, you're not afraid of it. But it has your undivided attention. Does that give you the same attention as as any of these things? Or or these things just kind of give you a thrill when you think about it? Okay, so we'll get back to that in a minute. What's that got to do with Joshua, you say? Joshua chapter 7, quick review. What's been going on? I'm just going to go real fast to this one. Chapter 1, remember, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Moses is gone. You're the man, but I'm going to be with you. Chapter 3, last time I spoke up here, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. Chapter 6, on that chapter they they ended up crossing the Jordan on dry ground, like the Red Sea, but it was the Jordan. Chapter 6, last week, they go into Jericho, fortified city. They march around it. The walls fall down. They take it. The last verse of chapter 6, verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. And that's where you just want to close the book and say they lived happily ever after. It's cool. It's all good. It's awesome. It is awesome. The Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. But then you've got to keep reading. In the very next verse, chapter 7, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. I'm going to call them Achan. I don't know. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't know what the, what the Hebrew accent was, but I was, we're going to call them Achan today. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah. Achan took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Remember what I told you last time? Israel is a young nation. Remember, the older generation has, has died off. So there's not, no one under the age of 60. Everyone's under the age of 60. Most of these guys are younger. And I, and I think, and I'm not a scholar, so I, I don't know, but the fact that he puts the son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, I'm thinking Achan is probably a pretty young fella. He's a youngster just like you guys, maybe just a couple of years older. I don't know. That's how I imagine him. He's a youngster. And he commits a sin. He does what God told them not to do. And at this point, only he and God know about it. So let's go. We're going to progress through these uh, verses kind of quickly. Verse 2 through 3. 
the next verse, Joshua is building on his newfound courage and strength, and he's moving on to his next conquest. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai and told them, go up and spy the region. It, it, old, old faithful sent, up, sent spies. He was a spy once. He sent spies into Jericho. He spent, sent his spies again. And they went, and they came back, and they said, not all the army will have to go. Just send two to 3,000 men. It's like a division and a half in today's terms, but still, it's, it's not a big deal. Just send two or 3,000. Next verse, verse 4 and 5, it says, so Joshua sent 3,000. They went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. And at this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Now, I know that in Old Testament numbers, 36 deaths doesn't seem like that much. But it was a big deal. Think about what happened this week in Florida. 17 people died. It's a big deal. 36 people die when God is with you. It's a big deal. So look at Joshua's reaction. Verse verse, uh, 6. Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord and remained there until evening. And the elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Joshua 7, 7. Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. This is Joshua speaking. This is the guy, I mean, this is what the Israelites said, you know, when Moses was, was leading them, and they were just griping and complaining in the desert. Why didn't we just stay in Egypt as slaves? Now Joshua, their leader, is saying, why didn't we stay across the Jordan? Why did you bring us here? Unbelievable. We associate him with strength and courage. But he has this moment. Because he, he knows it's a big deal. Something's wrong. He put all his faith in God. And something's wrong. So chapter 7 verse 8. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies. I love what God says back. Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied, and they have put them in their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. He goes on to say, until you get, until you get this out from among you. I will not be with you. So verse 13. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. There's that word again. Last time I was up here, just a few chapters ago, consecrate yourself, purify yourself, get the evil out from within you. So this is an interesting story. But what's it got to do with you? What's it got to do with me? What's it have to do with any of us? A story that happened 2,500 years ago. And any of you, I don't know if you guys even knew who Achan was. I don't know if you've ever heard it. You've heard the story of, of Joshua and marching around, and you probably did that in BBS or Sunday school when you were a kid. It's the cutest thing in the world. See a bunch of little kids march, 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 marching around a Lego set or something, and it falls down. It's just really cool. But now this story, very next chapter about Achan. 
So let's get back to fear. Let's get back to fear. I'm going to tell you about a couple more experiences I had. Again, these aren't really scary experiences. They're just kind of things that you look back on and it just gives you this cold feeling inside, an eerie, ominous feeling. The first one is this picture. Picture taken from the top of the World Trade Center. I took this picture in 1991, 10 years before the events happened there. It's a really cool experience. They, they were built in such a way that they, they kind of to withstand uh, certain pressures. They sway. And you're up there in, in, in the, the other building. You can see it swaying. It's just a really cool picture. I wanted my family to experience it. So w- 10 years later, when, when I'm, uh, I took uh, Amy to New York City for the first time, she loves New York City now, but that was the first time. And I, and I was showing her all the key parts, what you want to see, but I couldn't wait to show them this. And it was me and, and just a couple of kids. So we'd done everything, and it was towards the end of the day, but we still had time to get down there. I said, you've got to see this. You have to, this is the last thing. We, we were staying in Staten Island, which is just across the river. You've got to see this. And it was the weirdest thing because it felt like I was being prevented from going. It, everything we tried, every bus, every taxi, they wouldn't go there. We, we actually got on a bus that said, this is going to take you right to the World Trade Center. They, the guy said it as we got on board. But then he stopped. And he said, this is it. This is the last stop of the day. He said, you said you take, no, this is the last stop of the day. It was very New Yorkish. So they said, no, we're, uh, this is it. Get off. So meanwhile, I was getting, I had a headache. And that headache was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it literally was the worst headache of my life. It was so bad. I mean, we were probably about a mile or maybe half a mile away. It, was a, carrying, it seemed like forever carrying a baby and, and, a, and a toddler. Um, but it was so bad. I was looking for a CVS something that w- I could just take, take some Advil to get rid of my headache. I couldn't find anything. And I finally tapped out. I said, that's it. We, we can't. I wanted you to see this so badly, but we can't. We just, let's just go back home. The worst headache of my life. And so we, we crossed. We got on the uh, Staten Island Ferry, crossed over, and, and the next morning the headache was gone. But we had to take off. We had other plans for that day. So I said, at least, let's, let's at least take a picture. And so next, next picture, my little family. Um, I don't know if you can see that very well. It's the World Trade Center right there, above Jacob. Um, my little Hannah. That's taken September 1st, 2001. <coughs> it's not scary, but it gives you a chill knowing that you were standing in the crosshairs. You know, 9-11 wasn't planned overnight. You were standing in the crosshairs. They could easily have chosen 9-1. You're standing in the crosshairs at ground zero with your family, and you didn't know it. Evil was there watching. Evil was there waiting. This next picture is a picture of my Bible. I just showed it to you a second ago. The reason the Bible has that on its cover, it's a cross and it's a sword, and it's really cool. It's a sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6 will tell you it's just that the Word of God is a sword of the Spirit. And my brother and I would talk about it, about going into, into spiritual warfare. And we were fired up. I've said that a time or two. We were fired up at, at that age. And I would talk to everybody I knew about, about Jesus. And those who would, I mean, it wasn't like I was, I wouldn't stand up and preach with a bullhorn or anything. I would just have normal conversations like I do now with people. I just, I just took it very seriously. And it could be maybe at, at a cafeteria, in a locker room, on a bus ride, or whatever. 
But occasionally it would progress beyond just talking and let's say, let's have a Bible study. Let's talk in our home or yours or at the park or someplace. Let's, let's read the Bible together. And I was able to do that with three guys that my freshman year. The first one was really cool. He accepted Jesus. We, he, we went to summer camp together, and I actually baptized him. I, was, I wouldn't baptize another person for 25 years, but I baptized him that first year, and it was really cool. The second guy, we, we, we went through a series of Bible studies together, and he invited him to church. And finally, when, when I invited him to church that day, his parents picked him up and said, you're not going back there again. Um, we need, you need to be part of our church, be committed to our church. And we, were, we remained very good friends. Um, in fact, today he is a Presbyterian minister. That's pretty cool. The third guy was the most receptive person I have ever studied the Bible with. He was so open. He was everything I said. He thought it was so cool. And then, you know, at the end, I said, you want to do it? Yeah, I want to do it again. When, when can we do this again? It was really cool. But for some reason or other, I don't know what it was. I really don't remember. Um, but we didn't. We had maybe at least three Bible studies together. And then we kind of drifted away. We, were diff- we weren't. He was a classmate, but we really didn't hang out together. We didn't take any classes together. He wasn't involved in sports. Kind of lost track of him for about three years. Before I graduated from high school, before we graduated from high school, he pled guilty, pled guilty to first-degree murder. And I'm telling you, this guy is not a person, if I showed you the 200 classmates in my class, he would not be one that you would pick in your first 100 tries or even your first 150 tries. He, this person was not an individual where, you know, something's wrong with that guy or something. No. He was a very gentle, very open, very receptive kid. And I, I actually saw him in jail a few months later. And it's still the same kid. Same smile, same laugh. And, and it, he didn't actually pull the trigger he got involved with another fella who convinced him because he was easily moldable. But how does evil enter a person? It's scary. It's ominous, yes. But what I, what I see is that just like 9-11, 9-1, I was standing in the crosshairs of someone whom Satan would control just a few years later. So what's that got to do with Achan? Well, look, look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. This is basically what I'm, what I'm saying. You need to be alert. You need to be vigilant. You need to be watchful. You need to have all senses engaged. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What I told you about 9-11, about my, my friend Bobby, were extreme cases. But the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and you need to take that seriously. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Same same verses that I get the sword of the Spirit from. It says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We, we need to come to grips with the fact that there's darkness in this world. If you ignore it, it's like walking around with a grenade in your pocket, a real grenade in your pocket. In Matthew 16, verse 23, we talked about this a, a, a few weeks ago. Jesus takes it seriously. When, when uh, Peter says something, Jesus is talking about his suffering, and, and, and Peter says, no, that's never going to happen to you. This is just a few verses. I mean, just, I mean, the immediate story right after him, Jesus calling him a rock that he's going to build his church on, the, the statement that he'd made. He says to Peter, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. You have in mind the concerns of men. Such strong words coming from our Lord and Savior to a friend. But he's not calling out Peter as Satan. He's calling out Satan as Satan. Because darkness is there all the time, looking to deceive you, looking to confuse you, looking to bring you into, into cluelessness. And this is what happens in Joshua 7. See, Joshua is clueless. Remember the last verse of chapter 6? His fame spread throughout the land. He just had this huge victory, and he's going, let's go, let's go to the next one. Just do what God tells us, let's go to the next one. And so when it doesn't happen, he's shocked. He's in a catatonic state. He's afraid. And, G- and God tells him, go, concentra- go tell the people to consecrate themselves. And so what happens the rest of that chapter, they go tribe by tribe, and they find out if, if there's sin, if they have sinned against God. And then they come to the guy named Achan. So I ask the question, if he were here today, remember, I want you to see yourselves in these stories. If Achan, a young man, a young man were here this morning, and I asked the question, what are you afraid of, Achan? What are you afraid of? And in that time, he would have said, I'm afraid of crossing that river, which is being held back over there by some force, and I'm crossing on dry ground. Or I'm afraid of going into this well-fortified city and taking it. That scares me. See, but, but Achan is thinking in merely human terms. He's, he's afraid of the extremely dangerous, the things that are obviously dangerous to us. But evil is there, and he's not aware of it. So if I ask you again, like I asked you earlier just a few minutes ago, are you afraid of success? Uh, are you kidding me? I'll take it. Well, what about all the pride and, and, and the... That, that goes with success. God hates pride. Are you afraid of that? Does that, give you, does that give you your undivided attention if you get success? What about beauty? Somebody beautiful loves you. It's flattering. What about all the, the dangers that go along with that? I'll take my chances. What about money? Are you willing to take the risk if... if most of us are, regardless of temptation. We're going to give you this sum of money. I'll take it. It's not, it doesn't give us the same sense as you're in a zoo and the, and the, and the cage is open to the lion's den. Doesn't scare me. That, not, like, not like a wad of money does, or vice versa. Wad of money doesn't scare me like, like an open cage would. What scares you, Aiken? 
Those are the things that scare me, he would, he would respond. Let's see what happens. Verse 21. Jesus, I mean, Achan says to himself, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. You could say that today. Same temptations. What scares you, Achan? What scares you in this room? What should scare you? Not trembling and hiding scaring, but what gives you, what, what merits your undivided attention? Luke chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Jesus, and I've said that before, and you should know by now, the most often repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It appears more often than not. But it, twice it appears in the first few verses of Luke. But in the midst of that, Jesus says, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be be known in daylight. Verse 5, but I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Sin is not something to fool around with. Let me show you a picture of of a friend of mine who is... uh, Probably the most courageous, fearless guy I know. I don't know if you can see that very well, but he's holding on to Jake, the snake. That's a big, live rattler. So I asked him yesterday. I said, I'm, I'm giving a lesson on, on courage and strength tomorrow to some high school kids. I'm going to ask him, if they were to ask you, why are you not afraid to hold that snake? What would you say? And he said, have, you ever, have I ever showed you pictures of my snake bites? Google snake bites. And that's all he said. That's all he said. He is afraid to hold on to that snake. I didn't ask him why he's holding on to it. That's a whole different matter altogether. But he, but he said, Google snake bites. It's like asking a NASCAR race driver, why aren't you afraid of crashing? And he answering, Have you ever seen a car crash? You bet he's afraid of crashing. So when you know it, you can face your fears. If you don't know it, if you don't know it's there, that's when you get bitten by by Jake there. Let's go to the next slide. Next slide. So this is what happened in... uh, in Joshua, in chapter 6, before we, before we uh, got to 7, we kind of breezed over this last week, but God had told them, all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord, and they must go into his treasury. Then they, and then later, they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron and treasury into the Lord's house. So it wasn't that, there was, that the gold and the silver and all this plunder was evil and needed to be destroyed. It was God's, and Achan thought it was his. So with all these things I've told you about, success, beauty, even money, in and of themselves, they're not wrong. So what do you do when you get it? And you will get it. You're going to marry a very beautiful person 
who is attracted to you. You're going to, you're going, you don't know it, you don't feel like it, but you're in the 99th percentile as far as riches in this world. You're going to have more than you need. What do you do when you get it? Next slide. This is how you handle, plunder is probably not a good word. This is how do you handle success. You treat it as sacred to the Lord. It's not yours. So you, you, you find a beautiful person attracted to you, that you're attracted to. From the outset, you be strong. You tell them where you stand. They tell, you tell them who you are. You tell them whose you are from the very beginning. And what about money? It's the same thing like when I asked my friend Oscar about the snake. Why are you not afraid? Why are you not afraid with all your riches? Your answer should be like Oscar's. Google money in the Bible. Or do a search, a word search for money, for riches. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I know. I know it's danger. I'm not going to run away from it. But the reason I can face it with strength and courage is because it's not mine. It is not mine. Not even a little bit. It's not mine. It's sacred to God. And it doesn't matter if I give you a 20 or if I write a check for 20000 It's not mine. And the way that starts, it starts now. If you're faithful with little, with a $20 bill, if you're faithful with a $20 bill, you'll be faithful with 20000 or $20 million. But it has to start now. What about evil in the camp? Like Joshua faced, there was evil. There was, there was sin in the camp. How do we deal with that? Well, this is, how, this is how death comes about. The deceiver, the lion, the roaring lion looking for someone to devour starts out deceiving you, making, it, making you think it's no big deal. It's not a live grenade. It's just a little treasure. It's not that bad. And that deceit leads you into darkness. Darkness and confusion. Whenever you're in the dark, you stumble around. And all that will lead to death. The counter to that, and this is where it gets practical, we need to speak truth to one another. We can't be af- we're not afraid of evil. We've just got to know it's there. Even when we come together in a group, on Wednesday night, on your G groups, or this morning. Evil is there. And you don't know, because so often we don't, we don't expose it. It's hard to expose. But we need to know that it's there. And we need to speak truth to one another. We need to shine light into it. Into, into trusted friendships. That's why we're here. We grow friendships, godly friendships with one another. And you be honest and candid and say, this is what I'm struggling with. And that brings it out to the light. Light is a counter to to darkness. And in so doing, you're speaking life to one another. So be courageous. Next slide, I think. You've got to continuously speak truth to each other and take it seriously. 
even since the last time I got up here to speak, this has been made known to me again. Another story that I won't tell today because it's not done yet. Another young man who had sin in his life and we didn't know it. I didn't know it. Last time I spoke to him, prior to that, was we, I, I talked about, what did I talk about? Movies, how's school going? Just the basic stuff that anybody in the world would talk about, even though I knew he was a believer. I didn't speak truth into his life. He's struggling with it, and he will overcome. And one day I'll tell that story. But I'm resolved. And I want you to be resolved too. When you're together, you're together, you're together because you're believers. You share the same belief in a God that you cannot see with your eyes, but you know he's there. And, you, and, and the darkness that persists around us. Speak truth to one another. Expose sin. Build trusted friendships. And in so doing, you're speaking life. Evil will disguise itself. Jesus said, he used the term, it's like a, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. You've heard that term, that, that's, that's Jesus' words. And you've got to take that seriously. Speak truth, speak light, and speak life. And by the way, those are all synonyms for Jesus. Be courageous enough to, to start the conversation, especially here in this room, about, about Jesus. And then it'll, it'll, it'll spill over into your uh, Monday through Saturday lives. So the question is, why are you not afraid? If you're getting on a plane this afternoon and I say, fly strong, you're going to say, what? I'm, I'm just getting on the plane. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Be strong. You ought to say, what? It's God's strength. I'll abide in God. I'm abiding in God, and therein lies my strength. Be courageous. Because I'm abiding in God and his strength, I can face anything. Evil cannot stand in God's presence. So be strong and be courageous with that in mind. There's a few questions. I'll go over them before we leave. Thanks.